Hello everyone, my name is Xiomara Diaz, better known as Chap D, and I am one of the chaplains who serve at the 109 Air Wing. And I'm Captain Pete Troya, Director of Personnel at the 109th Airlift Wing, or Chaplain Diaz just nicknamed me Cap G. Our podcast, Beneath the Uniform, focuses on two areas, Beneath the Uniform, the issues, and Beneath the Uniform, the person. We bring you real people with authentic stories and real issues that affect many of us. So pop on in your headphones, turn up the volume, and enjoy the next episode of Beneath, Beneath the, the Uniform. uniform. This episode is dedicated to all the members of the armed forces that struggle with the invisible wounds of depression. When depression goes untreated, it can produce challenges not only on the member experiencing it, but on the families, friends, and coworkers as well. The reality is that a large portion of individuals with depression do not seek mental health services. You are not alone. Together and with the help of professionals, we can help each other combat these unseen scars. Good day, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Beneath the Uniform, The Issues. That's right. Some of the listeners may be struggling with depression or perhaps have symptoms of depression out there, and they cannot recognize due to lack of knowledge or perhaps denial. To keep loyal to our intent and mission of the podcast, we felt it was necessary to explore this topic and talk about it a little bit. That's, that's definitely a good idea. Do you know that according to the National Institute of Mental Health, which, by the way, is the federal agency for research on mental disorders, depression, it is a common but serious mood disorder. It causes severe, severe symptoms that affect how you feel, think, and handle daily activity, such as sleeping, eating, or working. So to help us understand this issue, we decided to break it down into two-part series. So for part one of the discussion, we have with us today an airman who has experienced a firsthand battle with depression and is willing to share her story and experiences in an effort to let everyone out there know that they are not alone. And in part two, we will have the Director of Psychological Health, Ms. Kelly Young, as our guest, and she will provide some insightful perspective and knowledge on mood disorders and mental health kind of the technicality of it, right? Yeah, the experts. The experts. So with us today, we are blessed to have Tech Sergeant Kayla Casey. Kayla, welcome. Kayla is a member of the 109th Airlift Wing and works out of the maintenance operation flight. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Welcome, welcome. All right, so Kayla, paint the picture for the listeners out there. Who is Tech Sergeant Kayla Casey? What was your experience like growing up? So, I am Technical Sergeant Kayla Casey. I work in the maintenance operations flight as a maintenance analyst. I um, have been in the military for a little over seven years now. Um, I grew up in a military family, so um, some listeners here may know that my mom works here on base, Colleen Casey, and then uh, my sister- Shout out for Colleen Casey right there. <laughs> All right. Airmen family readiness, Tell taking care yes. of the people. All right, she's getting fed tonight. <laughs> Um, my sister, Shannon Casey, works in public health, and then my brother, Lucas Casey, works as a firefighter in the fire department. Um, my father has also been in the military and the Army for over 40 years now, um, mm. so I've grown up <laughs> I've grown up in the, fil- the military limelight for a long, long time, so. Now, that's, she's throwing 40 years out there, brother, mom, everybody there. <laughs> Do you feel a little pressure to join or it was like a, you know. It's like the family business. Yeah, right? it's a family business right there. That's what everyone says. Uh, kind of, my sister and I had thought about joining together way back 
years and years ago. She finally uh, had the courage to do it. And then um, after I had graduated college, I was looking for something bigger to do, something that was bigger than myself. And um, it was either go back to nursing school or join the military. And I'm terrified of blood. So I was like, maybe I shouldn't do nursing. So I actually came here. Uh, My mom had only been working here for like a year or two. And um, I fell in love with the base. So I was the first one to go Air Force. And now look at everybody. Everyone's here. (laughs) Still the path Yes. You know, I would love to be a fly on the wall when she told her dad of 40 years in the Army. (laughs) Hey, Dad, I'm going to the Air Force. (laughs) It was a lot better than the conversation I would have had or that my sister had with my dad when she said she was joining the Army. So... It's better than that. <laughs> All right. So what was your uh, journey like when you joined the military? I'm sure you had a picture of it from your father. Um, but then you join and obviously have your own journey. So what was that like in the early days? Um, it was definitely different than what I was expecting big time because of the differences between Army and Air Force um, were treated a lot better than the Army, which is nice, the nice hotels, the good food, uh, I guess you could say easier basic training, all of those things were definitely different. Again, um, everybody's experience is different. <laughs> <laughs> That's your opinion. <laughs> um, so it was, like I said, it was different, but um, it was nice to be doing something that made a difference to the to our area, you know. So what was that journey like when you joined it? You said that you joined in and, you know, it was different and it was kind of easier. Was everything that you expected or some struggles around the way? For the most part, it was what I expected because my sister had recently just joined the Army So I kind of knew the process. Um, And then also having my mom here on base, I kind of understood how it worked here and volunteering here before I joined. Um, But obviously being part of the military is never easy. I would say it it comes with its own challenges. Um, One being the deployment cycle here, uh, constantly going to the ice, uh, Greenland, anything like that. It definitely comes with its challenges. So for our listeners out there, the deployment cycle at the 109th airlift wing is every year. There's no dwell, there's no downtime. Every year we support the National Science Foundation and go down to Antarctica for about a four month clip. And then in our summertime, we're training for Antarctica in Greenland, two week deployment cycles at a time. Uh, so we're, we're pretty- On the clock. Mobile, yeah. if you will, and, and we uh, always moving. Right, and then we, we squeeze in some desert deployments there every couple of years too, so pretty. And Doma, man, we, we are great. Right. <laughs> pretty active unit, that's for sure. So you were in that, you were deploying right off the rip, is, is that what you're saying? Like, Because you, you joined maintenance right away, right? No, so I was actually finance for the okay. first three years that I was here, um, and I volunteered to go to the ice um, within two years of being in finance. So I went down and did uh, 50 some odd days down on the ice and then I came home and then that's when I decided to join maintenance because I liked the environment and I liked the people and um, I liked being part of the mission. Awesome. So obviously we are talking about depression and and mental health and so I would like to um, kind of talk about that a little bit. So what led you to experience your experience with depression? What led to it? 
So um, I had my daughter, Madeline, in January of 2019, um, and it wasn't very long after I started um, having symptoms of depression, postpartum depression, and postpartum rage. Um, it was about when she was probably three or four months up until when she was a little over a year, it was like all a blur. Um, at your normal follow-up appointment, you get checked for the postpartum blues and they did all those checks and they were like, no, you're fine, you're good. Um, but I knew that something still wasn't quite right. Um, I was, he's now my ex-husband, but I was mean to him, I was angry. There was a specific day where I remember we were driving and I, um, he said something and I, I reached across and I smacked him in the chest. Um, and it was at that moment that I knew that something was not right because that, that wasn't like me. Um, and then I also was having moments where there was a day um, I had asked him and he didn't even notice it at the time, but I had asked him if you could overdose on Tylenol because mm. that was all that we had in the house. Um, and it was those two moments and then also just driving home from work or anything like that, I would be like, it would just be so much easier if I just like crashed my car. It would be like just to get it done and over with. It was awful. It was like constantly consuming my brain. And now even I look back at pictures of when my daughter was six months, nine months, up to a year. I don't even like remember any of those moments. I don't and I totally missed out on that year of her life. And it wasn't really until probably she turned like two and a half, three, mm -hmm. that I actually started to feel like her mom. Like I was actually her mom before it just, I was not in that correct headspace to like be a mother. Yeah, so, so many questions. So, yeah, <laughs> yes. so you're pregnant, excited, um, your first child right yes um and just like the the movies paint the picture for us that it's going to be all rainbows and sunshine it's going to be glorious we're going to take great photos and post them on facebook and we're going to be the happiest mother daughter dad um of all time right and what is so what is that like in those first couple months when because you know i have two kids and myself eight and six now but i remember those days and it, it's just not what you think it's going to be and it's like not easy yeah it's it's like is everyone going through this because this is not as glorious as they told me it would be mm -hmm. so were you feeling a little of that at the time or definitely um i did all those things i posted the happy photos the uh professional photos and where we're all smiling and happy and um I was excelling here at my career and it still, it, it was not what it was portrayed to be, like you said. Um, it, it was definitely a struggle and those, that first year, man, I like, I can't even explain how looking back on those photos, like I said, it just doesn't even seem like it was, like I was there. It, it doesn't seem, it seems like a way past memory. You know, becoming a parent is, is hard as it is. Everybody's like, there's no specific manual to become a parent. But I remember I, I have a 20 year old and a six year old. And I remember 
him being born and I'm being like, oh my God, what do I do now? You know, like, I don't want to break it. Um, so there's already pressure, self-pressure that we put and society pressures and stuff like that. So at what point you realize that, you mentioned about the smacking and stuff like that, but were you looking at your daughter and kind of being fog out or something like that or? Well, you you talk about the society's expectations and everything, and that was definitely true in my situation where uh, I got engaged, I got married, and I had a baby. And I check, was check, yes, check. exactly. I was following all the steps, and when I had my daughter and they laid her on my chest, I was ecstatic. I was so happy, and everything was great. Even coming home from the hospital, I was fine, and. She slept great. Like she is a great child. Like she was a fantastic baby. She was sleeping through the night at four months old. Wow. We and she has slept through the night ever since. We have been so lucky and so blessed with that. So we had an easy baby. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't until probably I would say she was about two months old because as an AGR we get the three months off for maternity leave mm-hmm. and. I remember asking my ex-husband after two months, I said, can I please go back to work? I don't, I don't want to be home for another month. Um, I am very much a checklist, like check things off, finish things, task list type of person. And when you have a kid, as you know, there is no to-do list. Mm-hmm. It's survive every day and yeah. Yeah. <laughs> make it through each day, yeah. you know? So, um, each day is a new adventure. Yes. Much. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, so it was definitely difficult, but I would say probably two, three months old is when I started to really be like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm, I'm doing this and I'm terrified. And Did you blame your baby in a certain way? And, you know, between your emotions, did you unconsciously blame the baby? No, it was more towards my ex-husband is what okay. it, um, because I, Yes, I was sad and all that. I was more mad and resentful towards my ex, um, which might be why he is now my ex-husband. <laughs> could be, yeah. um, but the the rage and everything that I had inside me, I was just so angry. And never once was I angry at her. Never once did I have any um, feelings that I was, you know, how some uh, women who have postpartum, they are always afraid that they're going to drop their child or they're going to hurt their child or they're going to do something bad to their child. Never once did I have any thoughts like that. Um, It was just more so just being mad at my ex at the time. Now, I want to put a pause in there really quick because obviously everybody's experiences with postpartum depressions are different. And there are people who go through postpartum depression who feel that the child, you know, has mm-hmm. been the problem. And it's not that they don't love their child. This is how deep mental health goes in. Right. It's not like they don't love the child. It's that in that stage, they just don't know. And they're battling between, I love you, but I, I just had these things. And that's when sometimes these things happen. Um, so thankfully, in your case, that did not happen. You took it towards your ex-husband. But there's people out there who really are struggling with that piece right there. Right, because you're introducing a new um, person into your relationship, your life, right? And it's it's very confusing. And life as you know it changes forever. And you think you're ready for it, but most mm-hmm. of us find out 
maybe we weren't as ready as we thought. It's funny you say um, perfect sleeping baby and, and all that. Like it makes me laugh because my son Cole was the opposite <laughs> and he was born at 8.46 p.m. on October 14th. And I remember from that moment until the next morning around like 5 a.m. he was crying, hysterical crying, screaming right out of right out of his mom and i remember holding him trying everything i can you know we read the books we watched the Mm -hmm. movies and nothing worked and that first night i had my first breakdown and i started crying because i'm like i'm already failing and we're like a couple hours into this thing (laughs) this is not a good start so yeah that thankfully the nurse came in and, and took him for a little bit so we could get a little sleep but man it's tough it's way tougher than anybody uh warns you that it's going to be and i don't know if there's really a way you could prep for that you know like it's because like you said it's everyone's experience is different too um but you you bring up a an interesting point about go back to work and you're performing well high performing right and what is that struggle like for you when, because I feel like a lot of us can put on that mask mm-hmm. when we need to, right? You show up, put on the uniform, come to work, and you put on that mask of like, okay, now I'm Tech Sergeant Casey and I'm, I'm here to rock and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to knock it out of the park. And then you get in your car after work and it's like, oh, how am I, how am I going to turn into mom now or how am I going to turn into yeah. wifey now but she's on cruise control when she's at work yeah mm-hmm. so what what's that experience like for you so i actually retrained and went to school when i was 16 weeks pregnant wow so i went to shepherd for three months up until i was 28 weeks pregnant oh, that is yeah. the cutoff for <laughs> yeah that's the cutoff for women to go away to a school is 28 weeks so i literally graduated and i was 28 weeks pregnant um so I had obviously all those struggles. I had to go to a OB down there um, in Texas in August. It was just, it was miserable being pregnant. Awful. Right, you're, <laughs> you're doing it alone, yes. right? Yes, yep. Um, so coming home, obviously uh, I, I graduated in November and then my daughter was, due, was born in January. So um, it was so quick through the holidays and everything, but um, once I had her, I had CDCs to complete too. Um, so when I was home for my three months, I focused on nothing but obviously my baby, but also completing my CDCs. And that was like my one task that I could give myself, that I could study for these. So then as soon as I came back to work, I could take my tests and be able to upgrade to the next skill level and eventually be promoted. Um, Another check mark, you know, she says she's a check mark person, right? right. Yeah. Well, it's, it's yeah. controllable, yeah. Yes. right? It was something you were able to control. Yes. Yep. And now thinking back on that, I'm like, I was crazy because I was trying to do all these things. I think that's just my personality, though. I try to stack on a lot of things, but um, it was easy when I came to work. I was just Sergeant Casey, like you said. There was no mom. There was no wife. There was no nothing like that. I was just working, and I was just learning the job because I had barely been back from school for two months at that point by the time I got to work. Um, It was easy to do that, obviously, because... There's no outside stressors of that stuff. You're just here doing your work, you know? Um, 
but yeah, the the struggle of having to leave that and that really was the times where I would have the bad thoughts, you know, the the thoughts of, you know, would it just be easier just to drive off into the ditch or to run away? I don't know, you know, so it was it was bad, but no one here knew, obviously. When I created that video back in 2020, I think it was, 2019, something along those lines, um, everyone came up to me and they're like, we had no idea. We had no clue. And So real quick for the listeners out there that didn't see the video, it was a, um, uh, I don't want to misspeak, was it Stand Down Day? Yeah, for, for resilience. Yeah, Resiliency uh, Awareness Day that the Air Force did. Maybe it was DOD wide. And here at the 109th, we made a video of airmen who have experienced uh, depression and, and um, struggles struggles like that. And Sergeant Casey um, told her story during that video. Yep. So after sharing my story there, a lot of people came up to me and a lot of women especially came up to me and said um, they were feeling the exact same way. And I didn't realize how much of a eye-opener it was mm -hmm. to me that there are so many people that struggle with this and no one has said anything and I've kind of made it a point uh, since then really to be open and honest about it um, so people know that it's okay to talk about it and that it's okay that you're feeling that way and you don't have to be like the movies where you're overjoyed and happy all the time and just having the best life ever. Yeah. Um, obviously that's fine too, if you are, good for you, but <laughs> um, a lot of people struggle mm -hmm. and it was really refreshing to know that um, at work it is okay sometimes to lower that mask and to still be a human and show that we do have struggles. Um, I think it kind of forms a tighter bond here. I got two questions really. Um, the first one is, Obviously, you you close to your family, yes. right? You you put Casey on on DOD. You see a lot of cases together <laughs> in the emails. Um, did they have any clue about this at all? They did not. They did not know I was doing the video. They knew that I struggled a little bit, but they I don't think they realized to what extent. Um, when my family finally watched the video, obviously it was very upsetting for them to watch it. But there were moments, like my sister will bring up moments um, of times where she knew I was struggling. There's one time in particular, I remember being at maybe 4th of July or something um, at my parents' house and we were having a barbecue and Maddie was screaming or something was happening and I knocked over like the bowl of fruit salad or toss salad or something like that. And I literally just like stared at it and was like, whatever like I had absolutely no expression no thought like just total blank yeah and that was I think when either my mom or my sister were first to notice that something was was, was not right the you mentioned that it was a fog from like six months a year or something like that now does that fog extends to your work can you recall what you did for those six months work-wise and know as a mother Yes, I, the, it's easy to remember the work stuff and to separate it. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it's still, I remember uh, in the fall of 2020, so my daughter would have been about a year and a half, um, I went down to pick up an aircraft at New Zealand, 
still at that time, I was upset, obviously, to be leaving her, but I was like, okay with it. And I think the deployment cycle that we're on, because I'm also um, uh, Antarctic program AGR, so I have to go every year for 60 days, they, it's like easy to kind of turn that switch on and off and to just focus on work and not for focus on the home life. So yeah, I think going back to your question, the it was easy to turn on and off that switch. And so when I look back, I can remember work stuff, but the home life stuff, it like blur. I said, total blur. So uh, you're experiencing a couple um, signs that point to something's off in you, right? Now is it, it seems like it goes on for a while before you acknowledge that, hey, I need to seek help. Mm -hmm. How does that part of the journey go? And, and what are the, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but fears you're experiencing with seeking help, especially as a, a military member, you know, we're worried, is our, is our job in jeopardy? Are we going to be able to deploy and, and mm -hmm. contribute to the mission? Like what's, what's that like? Yeah, so um, the day that I hit my ex-husband, that was when he was like, okay, this is enough. Like, obviously something's wrong. You need to go speak with someone. And I was so adamant about not doing it. I was like, I'm not going to talk to anyone. And I put it off for months. Mm. Um, finally, I don't know what the breaking point was, but I finally did it and went and talked with someone and like understood that, yes, it's okay. Um, to go speak with one, someone, but the problem was, my biggest thing was that I was not going to be able to keep my job. Like, mm. I was like, this is going to get back. My biggest thing was, so when I first went to our, the Navy clinic for, to get a referral for mental health, they, it's a huge long process. It took forever. Hmm. And um, they first wanted me to talk to a Navy doctor and I said, absolutely not. I'm not talking to anyone in uniform. And I'm not talking in my uniform. I don't want, I want to be Kayla. I don't want to be Sergeant Casey. Um, so finally I got a referral out and she's been wonderful. And I, I, I'm not quite sure why I waited so long, but I think the fear of here losing, I had only been AGR for about two years at the time. And I was like, there's no way I can lose this. Like I need this for my mm -hmm. family. Um, and I didn't want it getting back to the base that something was wrong with me or if I was on any sort of medicine, if this was gonna stop me from deploying. And like I had said, I had just gotten back from school and I wanted to be the best airman I could possibly mm -hmm. be, yeah. you know? Um, but thankfully I had a chief here um, who had understood what I was going through um, and she had been my, by my side throughout the entire process and she made sure that I was good um, and made sure that whatever got up to medical was good um, and that nothing was gonna happen to my career and she kept insisting on that, that nothing was gonna happen to my career. So that was extremely helpful. But the therapist that I'm speaking about, I still see her now. It's almost mm. three years, four years later, um, and I still speak with her. And I can't stay like m enough to everyone that I come in contact with is 
to use therapy, seek it out. It is like, even if you just want to sit there and just ramble about your day, they just sit there and listen and it's, it's incredible. And I obviously can say from my point of view that nothing has happened to my career. I'm still here standing. So, um, well, technically you're sitting, sitting, yes, I'm still here sitting, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah, it is a great resource. And as Kelly Young will say too, when you speak with her next, that they're not trying to kick you out. They're trying to help you. And that is the greatest thing. That's a very important yeah. uh, point to get across. Uh, times have changed, right? Mm -hmm. And and the Air Force want really does care about us at the end of the day and wants to help us out and keep us on the mission, right? Keep us doing our thing and contributing. So uh, real quick, I think it's important to call out that chief that helped you yeah. out because leaders who protect their people the right way and step up to the plate like that and are in line with the Air Force vision, it's very important to hear that and know that, that those leaders are out there and they do care about you. Yeah. They, they will protect you and get you the help you need. So let's give a shout out to the chief. It was uh, Chief McCauley. All right. She is one of the greatest chiefs that we have here, definitely. Um, but even when this video surfaced um, that Public Affairs put out, I was terrified to sit because when they showed the video they showed everyone in huge groups and no one knew about it so when i even had that video showing she sat in the back of the room with me completely private from everybody else and made sure that like i wasn't the focal point when my face came on the screen and even that was like so kind of her you know so she she really is one of a kind that's for sure that is just awesome right and, um, you know, I just want for everybody out there to know, if you're struggling with mental health, which I do believe that all of us at a certain point will struggle with mental health, right? Depression, anxiety, you name it. Um, that does not make you unnormal. That makes you normal. You know, it's just to what extent we will recognize that we need to really seek out so we don't get other thoughts beyond that. And I really do want to talk about that um, to, to your knowledge, right? When was that you said, you, you mentioned about the pills, the Tylenol, overdosing on Tylenol, or running your car. What did happen, if you remember, before that, that it was kind of like, I, I'm done with it. I really want to be done with it. What was your thought about that? I honestly... I don't know. I can't really recall because like I said, everything is so blurry from those days. And I always felt so guilty about having those thoughts because of my daughter being so perfect. I almost had a feeling like I had no right to complain. Um, so to be perfectly honest, I don't really, I don't know. I don't know exactly what was the the breaking point where I got to that point of thinking of those things. Um, but I do want to add that some of those things that kind of helped me not do that too was that um, I lost my grandmother and my step-grandmother both to suicide. So I knew that feeling. I knew what it did to the family. I knew all of those things. And I think that was also one of the parts that kind of drawed me back that I knew 
that maybe I knew I was never going to actually do it, you know? Um, But just having the thoughts alone is the part that was obviously scary enough to get some sort of help. Yeah. Um, Sure. And a a thought is completely normal, right? We all have thoughts, thousands of thoughts every day. And there's no shame in having those thoughts. We've all had the thought. And it's once we all uh, admit it, I think we'll we'll make a lot more progress as a society. That it's it's completely normal to have those questions and thoughts, right? Because life is tough, no matter where you're living or what you're doing. You know, obviously tougher for some than others, but it's it's tough no matter what. Um, I think you you point out a uh, another important um, fact that. Unlike the movies and the shows and the, the you know, everything we see in, on MTV social media, or what is it, all of it. Lifetime. There's no big <laughs> climactic moment where it's like, this is my rock bottom mm-hmm. and now's the day I'm going to seek help. Or, you know, here's the, the, the day I think about suicide and now I'm stopping and I'm going right to... that's. That's not how it happens, right? It, the thoughts yeah. can just creep into your mind on a Tuesday afternoon, and it's like, uh-oh, here I am. And uh, you could be battling depression for years, mm-hmm. right? And yep. and just coping and figuring out how to deal with it. And um, one random day you say, I- I'm walking into that therapist today. I've had enough. So if you're out there waiting for that moment to happen, stop. Yeah. It's not happening. Stop. It's not going to happen. Go now. Go seek help now. Talk to somebody now. Reach out to a wingman now. Yeah. And what is uh, important to know is like everybody, everybody was clueless. Everybody was clueless. Work, her family, everybody was clueless. And she's struggling to the point that she has some thoughts, some suicidal thoughts, right? That she didn't fall through it because she thought about her daughter and the feelings that she had about her grandparents, which by the way, I'm sorry to hear that, but nobody had a clue about it. So what that tells me is we really need to engage our people. We need to engage our soldiers, our airmen, uh, guardians, Marines, Navy, you know. So really quick, what could somebody could have done like when you were going through that? <clears throat> that you could have break down like i don't know say hey how you doing like was anything that anybody could do to help you to talk earlier i think the main issue is is that we normalize feeling awful a lot Mm -hmm. that you're exhausted from work Mm -hmm. don't complain like we're all exhausted you know that's how you you get that mentality oh you're a new mom you're tired okay suck it up you know i already did that you know that's those are the conversations that people have and i think here at at work the the main thing as leaders or whatever is to really understand and really know your people um the is to understand that okay maybe have a one-on-one with a new mom and say how are you doing and but how are you actually doing you know not just surface level let's like get actually get deep and see how you're feeling and if you already have that great relationship with them then it shouldn't be that hard to actually 
break down that wall and get to know them more. Um, and if maybe if you don't have that relationship with them, maybe one of the, your coworkers who does has that conversation more. So on my side, I think if people more so actually ask the question of how I was doing or I wouldn't say offered to help because I had a lot of help, but um, not just, I don't know what the word I'm trying to use, but not just assuming that it's the exact same thing that you went through and just to basically suck it up, you know, um, actually reach out and ask how they're doing. You know, it's kind of like, it sounds like you wanted somebody to come in and say, how is Casey doing? How is Caleb doing? You know, I don't want to talk the mother. I don't want to talk the worker. How are you doing? Mm -hmm. And that may actually be an initiative that would be great to start out there in the Air Force. You mentioned about first-time moms or second-time moms, like have a group that can check in. That That is actually not yeah. a bad idea. Do you think you would have let the the mass down, though, if somebody did sit you down? I, I'm guessing it would have to be the right person, right? But Yeah, it would definitely have to be the right person. Um because there's a lot of things, you know, that people just don't know that people are going through. And unless you have that one person at work, but I'm not even saying at work, I'm saying at home, like if there sure. was someone who really mm -hmm. reached out to see, you know, um, after one of the times that I got mad or angry or whatever, just really like tried to break it down and see what's actually happening and why are you so upset type yeah. of thing. Um, but yeah, at work it would, Obviously, you don't want like your colonel coming up to you and asking you, hey, how are you doing? No, like, how are you actually doing? You're not going to open up to them like that. But yeah. if you have a good um, rapport with someone else, then you can obviously have that conversation. Yeah. Well, that's that's almost where I want to go with normalizing this. Yes. Is the general, the colonel, the chief comes up to us and we, we feel safe to confide in them. Breaking that cliche... Uh, uh, barriers between chain of command because they're human too. You know, we're all human, yeah. right? We're all human. And, you know, us being officers, um, we're one day going to climb a little higher, God willing. And um, that's a fear of mine is that people will stop telling me stuff like that. But, yeah. but true leaders, I believe they care. that's what they care about, yeah. right? It's not the, the paperwork that we're signing. It's like we care about the people. Yes. Because we're all doing this together, putting this uniform on together, getting after the same mission. So I hope we can start to break down those those barriers. Um, so you said uh, a lot of uh, women came up to you about postpartum depression and uh, thankfully started talking about it. Did any fathers reach yes. out to you and talk to you? Yeah, I was actually just when you were saying that, I was like, actually, there was a lot of dads who also came up to me and said something and um, that, yes, their wife had those same feelings, but that they also had feelings similar to that, too. Um, a lot of times I know uh, from research I've done on my own is that men feel guilty about it because they didn't actually go through any change. Right. You didn't have the baby. You didn't grow the baby inside yeah. you for nine months, but you're still feeling all these feelings yeah. and you feel guilty for feeling that way um but obviously it can happen to men too it's a big big life change and especially um if it was unexpected or anything like that it's it's a huge change for someone um 
going from no yeah. kids to being yeah. a parent. It's a big Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Big and I know for myself, uh, as you describe it, I'm like, man, I, I had parts of that, right? And uh, just right off the bat, I could tell you, I would never go to a doctor and say, hey, I think I have postpartum depression. Yeah. What a slap <laughs> in the face to women, right? <laughs> but I, I'm sure there's something in that realm of some form of depression because you, you do feel that you can't do enough to support that child and your spouse um, and you're you're not meeting the mark and and um, yeah and it's tough well it has to be tough because at least which is not the right thing to say but people will say oh those are your hormones they're all mm -hmm. changing you know that's normal and like you said we normalize that we normalize the rage of hormones and yes hormones are going crazy but it does not mean that a real issue is happening behind mm -hmm. that. Right. And for the male, you know, usually we don't say, oh, your hormones are kicking, <laughs> <laughs> right, <laughs> nothing right. like that. You know, it's just like, you know, tie your pants and go out there and do the stuff. So we really have to be mindful about, you know, the other parent of the child to the feeling that they're having, because it's like, oh, my spouse is going through this. Oh my goodness, this is going, what I'm going to do, how I'm going to provide. I cannot go play sports no more. You know, yeah. There's a lot of things yeah. going on on that. I think it's really the the big life changes. When you know that one of your airmen are going through a big life change, whether it's having a kid or going through a divorce or getting married, like any of those things are a big life change. And whether it's man or woman, um, it affects us all in some sort of way. And knowing your airmen and being able to talk to them and discuss any issues that they have, it's crucial. Yeah, no, I, I like the fact that we are normalizing things in here because there's a lot of people out there who have these feelings and struggle about it. And the fact that, that you are willing and open to say, hey, I was there, I thought about doing this, and I still go into counseling, not because something is wrong, but because I've been there and I, don't, I no longer want to go there. Mm -hmm. I think that is, that is really good. Yeah, very powerful. Exactly. And it's, it's hard because you, know, you still have thoughts and there's still struggles that you have, but just having that therapist that you can speak with um, I do all my therapy over FaceTime. Like she just FaceTimes me nice. and it's fantastic. Convenient. It's so easy. Yeah. And um, like, I just can't express it enough that it does nothing to hurt your career. There's nothing wrong with going and talking to someone who is completely unbiased, who doesn't know you at all, who does not know the military or your chain of command. And they're just there and willing to listen. It's an unbelievable source to make yourself better. And that is, that's really, really good. And there's also help on, on your local basis. You know, mm -hmm. you got mental health, you got your chaplains. And uh, seek out some help. It's, nobody's going to judge you by it. So what advice do you have for anyone out there who may be struggling with anything similar to what you experienced? Like I've said, reach out first to to go see a therapist um, if you're not comfortable speaking with a therapist speak with someone you know um, there I can guarantee you anybody you speak to has been down the same road you have or has had similar thoughts and they will be more than willing to listen all, that's all you really need is you just need someone to listen so you can get it off your shoulders that's my 
first and foremost is to just find someone you can talk to. So for all the listeners out there, um, if you could talk to them direct with this one, what's the biggest lesson you learned from this experience that you wish you knew ahead of time? That it is completely okay to not be okay. Um, And that your career, your life, everything will be okay, but you need to take care of yourself first. And that it's okay to seek help and to talk with others and get the the assistance that you need, whichever, whatever way that is for you. So taking care of yourself is important so you can take care of others. Mm-hmm. That is the first thing you need to know. Um, if somebody out there is struggling with this and they want to just talk to somebody who has experienced what they're going through, even though you don't know the person behind that email, that phone call, right? Would you be willing to, to talk to them? Of course. Of course. I'm always, always a listening ear and I always try to be proactive and, and uh, speak about this openly for that purpose alone is so that someone has someone that they know that they can talk to. Outstanding. So anybody out there, you know, any of, of the people that we bring here and you want to kind of talk to them about your experience, you know, we had the, the veteran, you know, we have her, they'll be more than willing, just contact us and we will give you their information. So Kayla, thank you so much for your vulnerability today and your willingness to help other military members who are in need of, of support. Thank you. Thank you. Well, everyone listening out there, that's you. That's me, I'm that's listening. You. Yeah. You're listening. <laughs> so um, just to wrap up the show, uh, the if you're in the Air Force, you received an email on December 19th, 2022. Uh, from Chief Master Sergeant of the Air Force, Chief Bass. In it, she talks about the spectrum of resilience and the resources available to our military members. The Air Force has created a new landing page that is easy to access and is a one-stop shop for available resources and initiatives that are available to our members, families, retirees, and civilian personnel. The website is fortifytheforce.org. That's fortifytheforce.org. You know, in that same message, the chief also writes uh, a message to the force, and I'm going to quote. It says, if you or someone you know is struggling, you don't have to struggle alone. Reach out to someone. Call someone in your chain of command. Call a wingman. Call 988. Use military one source. Our entire spectrum of resiliency is available. Use it. Never suffer in silence. Have a wonderful and safe holiday season. Take time to connect, take care of yourself, and take care of each other. Powerful wow. message from the chief, for yeah. sure. That, that's definitely, you know, they're saying we care about this. We are not going to fire you from the force because you're struggling. We want to know that you're struggling so we can take care of you. Yeah. For everyone out there, military one source number, one 800 342 9647. You can call 988 
or you could text 838-255. You could have a confidential chat on the website. Uh, and if you're in an immediate crisis, please call 911. That sounds good. Once again, thank you so much for being here and being willing to help everybody out there uh, across the world uh, for any of this issue. So that's all for now. Thank you for listening to Beneath the Uniform, The Issue. This is Shadi. And Cap G. We'll see you in our next podcast. But for now, we drop the mic. <laughs>